Grab your Bibles, guys. Meeting Jesus. We're talking about a topic this morning uh, that three different individuals got three different responses to Jesus about what it means to be a follower of the Lord. Now, these aren't like fun, uh, exaggerative, kind of cool, tempting things. The Lord's very upfront with us, and I love that. God's never tricking us, come on, be a Christian, be a Christian, and then he catches like, ha, 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 you're mine. It, it's not like that. He's very upfront with us. The Lord never wanted someone to follow him uh, without knowing what they were getting themselves into, and that's exactly what happens. There's three things we can learn from these three different guys about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it comes at a great cost, right? I mean, if you're going to sign up for the military, and you're like, I want to be a warrior, I want to defend the freedom of the country, and I want to defend our homeland, and I want to defend innocence and the oppressed, and I want to make a difference, and I want honor and integrity and all this stuff, who wrote like Let's do it. Well, uh, hello, you're going to have to live in hot places or cold places. You're going to eat nasty food for a while. You're going to probably be tried beyond what you're willing to be or wanting to be uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, all that stuff. Go through training. You're not going to get to live at home in your cool waterbed. Like, right, uh, it, you're going to go through difficulty. It's promised, but it's known. In the very same way, when we sign up, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to be more involved with my faith. Lord says, sweet. Right on, because the laborers, they are very few. The harvest is plentiful. There's all kinds of stuff to do. I'm calling every single one of my sons and daughters to be involved, but the reality is not too many people are willing to put their hands to the plow and get to work. But Jesus is never tricking us into following or serving him. And it's amazing, I don't know how the Holy Spirit does it, but sometimes maybe it's, we like to be challenged, maybe it's just the truth of reality, but sometimes finding out the reality of difficult stuff encourages us to go do it. You guys ever, uh, if you're told you can't do something, you're like, oh yeah, watch this. Have you guys got that attitude? You're like, you couldn't jump that, or you couldn't run that fast, or you couldn't uh, do that trick. You're like, over my dead body, watch this. All of a sudden, there's a little bit, of, little bit of fuel thrown in that fire. Maybe it's the same way. But when we're told here by Jesus, hey, things aren't always going to be easy. This isn't an upgrade in luxurious living, being one of my disciples. Do we know that today? Do you want to be used? Before we get into this, do you, would you say, Lord, uh, over the next two, three, four, five, six years before I leave my mom and dad's house, before I graduate high school, I want to start walking with you. I want to see you move. I want to be part of what you're doing. And Lord says, sweet, I want that too. But here's some things I want you to know. So that when times get hard, you don't pout, you don't cry, you don't uh, lay down and be like, what happened? Just like, oh yeah, the Lord said this would happen, right? Uh, the Gospel of Luke, right? Turn, open up to the Gospel of Luke. Good stuff, chapter 9. Nueve. good? You there? All right. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you're amazing in all of your grace, Lord, and your mercy. You don't bring us into discipleship and into service without first making known, Lord, the reality of it all. Lord, I pray this morning that you would really open our eyes. And God, that regardless of how difficult or easy things may be, Lord, we would never be far behind 
that we truly would be followers of Jesus, that we would be disciples, God, that Lord, those hurting and broken this morning, Lord, encourage them. Lord, those of us that are just full of pride, knock us down a little bit. And Lord, I pray for us that in those moments of not wanting to do anything, being timid, being shy, being lazy, Lord, that begin just to fade away. Lord, magnify yourself this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. All right. Well, uh, look, here's the deal. How many of you guys like to be comfortable? I love comfort. Comfort's awesome, right? That's why I just asked if it was hot, because I, I think it's kind of warm, especially up here. Um, but look, we all love to be comfortable. How many of you guys are professional sleepers? You're like, my hobby is sleeping. I could sleep all day if I was allowed to, okay? Uh, have you guys ever like toss and turn so you find that perfect spot in your bed, and you're like, oh, it's awesome. I love, we don't get to do it very often. Have you guys ever been to a hotel where like you just, the bed's made of like, clouds in heaven or something. It, it, I don't know. What do they do? What is the trick? The sheets are just crisp. The pillow's the right firmness. The blanket is like cool and warm at the same time. It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, Fallen Christ is not like that. Okay. Some of us love sleeping. We love being comfortable. I remember growing up, uh, I lived with my grandma for a while and my grandfather, they had electric blankets. You guys know about electric blankets? Dude, how many of you guys are like, electric what? Is that like the electric chair? But no, it's not like the electric chair. Uh, these blankets, you plug them into the wall, and you turn them one through ten, and this little orange light, and these are old school, and it would glow, and then you get into this old wool blanket, but there's like these cables woven all through it, and on a freezing cold night, that thing was like just crawling inside of a fireplace. It was amazing. Not quite that hot, but it was awesome. And I think when I think of being comfortable, man, the bed is the first thing that comes to mind, whether it's that electric blanket on a freezing cold night, or it's just the crispness of a hotel room, or whatever it is. It's awesome. But Jesus says, hey, following me is not like that. Sometimes we think, oh, if I follow Jesus, it'll be cool, and my friends are doing it, so that'll be, I'll be kind of popular. And uh, if they're going to the night of prayer, then I'll go. But if they're not going, then I'm not going either. And we base everything we do off of the people around us and what is cool or what is comfortable. And Jesus says, just so you know, following me may not always be comfortable. Leading up to this, miracles are happening. People are casting demons out of demon-possessed people. Uh, the dead are being risen again. All kinds of cool stuff. And there's a man we're going to meet here in just a minute. And he says, Lord, I will follow you anywhere. He sees all this cool stuff and is like, dude, I want to go where they go. They probably stay in the nice hotels. They get the new donkeys, right? They get all this cool stuff going on. They probably get great food. And Jesus doesn't tell him, I don't want you to be part of the team. He doesn't say, I don't want you to follow me. He doesn't say, I don't care about you. He just says, um, judging on your response, I think you're in it because you have this idea that being with us is somehow a luxury or is going to benefit you somehow with the people around you. But indeed, it is not comfortable. He'll give us peace. He'll calm our storms. He'll guide our steps. He'll heal our hurts. He does these things. He forgives our sins, but he will not always make it easy. Luke 9, starting at verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air, they have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. This idea comes up and is stated, look at, I will follow you 
anywhere. In Matthew chapter 8, we find out he's a scribe. Uh, what's a scribe? People who would uh, translate or rewrite different portions of the scripture. They were very good at it. Uh, they knew it was in the Bible. They were very, 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 very familiar with the scriptures. But in Matthew 8, he says he is a scribe. He knew the rules, but not the reality. Okay? He knew the rules of religion, but he did not know the reality of following Christ. There are a lot of people alive today that know the rules, they know the scriptures, they're familiar with how church is done, but they don't understand the reality of following Christ. He claimed to follow anywhere Jesus would go, but he voluntarily did it, right? I'll go, I'll follow you, and I'll follow you wherever you go. Great intention. Great intention. Isn't that an awesome statement? I'll go, Lord Jesus, I'll follow. Sweet, that's awesome. But intention without a little bit of intelligence is going to destroy something. You won't make it very far. You'll go a few steps or maybe make it a mile down the road before you give up and things get too hard or too difficult or you're surprised by adversity. Jesus never wants us to have intentions without a little bit of intelligence, knowing what's going on. He doesn't want us to know the rules without the relationship and the reality of what it means to follow Jesus. You have two homework verses, all right? If you guys are like, I don't read my Bible because I don't know where to read. You got two of them today. Uh, this week, sometime, read Matthew chapter 13. You're going to come across something uh, about all the sowers and the seeds and the soils and this crazy stuff. And you're going to find out that there's a certain kind of a heart that hears the word of God. It gets radically excited. Super, you can sit in a Bible study or church or worship service. And you're like, man, Jesus is awesome. I'm giving my life to the Lord and I'm going to follow him no matter what. Tomorrow at school tomorrow, I'm going to make a difference and I'm passing out flyers. But then it says the cares of the world creep in or the persecutions come upon you. And all of a sudden those flyers end up in the trash. Or your Bible goes to the bottom of your backpack. Uh, and, and our passion dies out really, really quickly. I don't know if you guys like fire when you go camping. I think fire is awesome when you're camping. Uh, and you get the lighter fluid, right? It's like, and what happens? All of a sudden, this little fire becomes this gigantic ball of insanity. It's like, yeah. But within like a minute, where'd it go? Right back to the way it started. This intense amount of heat because it's all this fuel thrown on it, but because there's no substance. It wasn't anything burning other than a momentary flash. In our lives, we are not called to follow the Lord based upon these moments of uh, increase that are exciting or full of emotion or that get us just pumped up. It's to be a stable, consistent, intelligent decision. Matthew 13, it says that uh, much like this man, he makes this announcement, I'll follow you anywhere, that seed that grows real quick, but it doesn't really take root. There's no substance. Read it. We're one of those four hearts. Matthew 13, that's one of your assignments this week, all right? We say we'll follow anyone when we know where we, th we think we know where they're going, right? If you thought someone was going to Disneyland, dude, I'll go. Okay, cool, get in. What if they end up at the dump, right? What is this? Oh, I work here. I said dump, not Dumbo. Like, what, what, what? We say that we'll follow you anywhere as long as you're going somewhere that I understand. As long as you are going somewhere I think uh, could be cool. As long as you're going somewhere I think is going to be awesome. You guys ever done that? You ever signed up to be part of something and it's something totally different when you get there? Uh, it happens often. It was funny. How many of you guys went to beach camp this year, right? It was like, oh, camp was awesome. Um, the day before, right, we invite a bunch of people to go up early and 
we're going to hang out, we're going to barbecue food, and it's just the leaders together, and we might get to pray uh, or whatever, but we need help. We're going to be at the beach. It's going to be a small group, and uh, we are going to have steak and really good food and all this cool stuff. And you're like, dang, I want to go. And then you get there, and it's like set up the tents, put up the poles, carry the concrete, tables, chairs, barbecues, easy ups. And all of a sudden, you're like, what are we going to, what's the fun? Oh, man, it's this work. But if you show up with the right attitude, knowing what's happening, you're not all excited for something that doesn't exist. Jesus says, I don't want you to be pumped about something that doesn't exist. It's not always comfortable. Luke chapter 14, verse 27. says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It is an oxymoron. It is an impossibility to think that following Jesus is always going to be comfortable. I don't think the Lord is yelling this at people, if you don't bear your cross, you can't follow me, you little weakling. Like, right? I don't think that's it. I think he's just letting people know. Look, if you're not willing to pick up your cross and carry it, you're just not, you you can't come. You can't come. Like, I want you to come, so pick up your stuff, let's go. I don't want to. Okay, then you're not coming. We do that all the time. The Lord says, bear your cross. And if you don't, you can't come. But what does it mean to bear a cross? You think a cross is comfortable? You think it's convenient? You think it's easy? Definitely not. To bear our cross means sometimes we'll be involved in things or have to make sacrifices that hurt and that are difficulty. Try and think in your mind, what are things... That would be like bearing our cross these days. Don't go to school tomorrow with a massive two-by-four over your shoulder and like, I went to church yesterday. I decided to bear a cross. Here's a flyer. Like, no, that's crazy. So what does it mean? Start thinking in your mind. Here's a couple ideas. I was trying to think of uh, things that just happen in life. To bear our cross, it means to be uncomfortable for the Lord, at the very least, if not greater, being willing to die for him. But the simple everyday bearing of the cross and being one of his disciples you ever around a situation where you just hear people talking bad about God or the Bible? You, just, you overhear it. You guys ever have that happen? You overhear something about the Lord, and you're tempted to go have a little better listener, like, oh, excuse me, what are you guys talking about? You're tempted, but you'd never do it because there's just, it's uncomfortable. Well, if you're going to bear your cross, then you might see, oh, man, there's an opportunity. Lord, this don't look like a hotel room. This looks like, oh, okay uncomfortable but a disciple does it um look (laughs) you guys ever have the holy spirit in you prompting you to go share something with someone whether it's jesus loves you or a bible verse or hey can i pray for you or you know buy some dude a a cheeseburger from mcdonald's because he lives under the overpass you guys ever have that in you you're tempted to say say something to somebody you guys ever have that go on but it's uncomfortable to do. It's very uncomfortable. Walk up to a stranger and share Jesus with them. Walk up to a stranger and say, Jesus loves you. Walk up to a stranger and instead of just throwing a dollar bill at his face, say, hey, what's your name? Right? It's uncomfortable. Um, Here's one. We do this all the time. It's when sin is more popular than holiness. When sin is more popular than holiness... We're called to bear a cross. Everyone else is doing it. Everyone thinks it's cool. Everyone thinks it's funny. Everyone thinks it's okay. 
But holiness, a pursuit after the Lord, says, no way, we don't go there. Well, it's going to be really uncomfortable telling them I can't go. It's going to be really uncomfortable uh, taking a stance. It's going to be really uncomfortable being at home alone on a Friday night. All my friends are out. If you do not bear your cross, Jesus says, you can't come. What are different things in our lives that challenge us to be uncomfortable for Jesus? How do you guys think like, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable to pass out see with the pole flyers? Honestly, I mean, that's like, dude, just to, like, random people. I'm a seventh grade. I don't know anybody. Sweet. Bear your cross. Get uncomfortable for Christ. You think Jesus was comfortable on his cross? He was nailed to it, man. We don't have to do that. We don't have to have the flesh ripped from our bodies, none of that stuff. Matthew 5, 11 and 12 says that we would be blessed. Blessed are you when they revile you and they persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That everyone that's taken a big stance for Jesus has also had to carry a big cross. It's uncomfortable. Jesus doesn't let him know, right? This first guy, isn't it so nice? Is this hard to hear though sometimes? You're like, what? This is tough. Jesus says, look at foxes, they live in holes, right? They got their little den, they had their little puppies in there. They probably uh, got whatever foxes like to have, some straw to keep it warm and it's cold. And birds of the air, they have their nests. Uh, at, at my in-laws, there's these huge pine trees. And for almost six months, we watched these little baby hawks grow into these just massive beasts. And there were three of them in this one huge nest, like 200 feet up in the air. It's crazy. And they start off real small, but eventually they get so big, you think they can fly, but they can't. Their wings are literally almost as wide as my arms are. And they're up there like, making all this noise and flapping, looking little dogs. I could eat you. Like, but what is that? They have a home. And the parents would always come back bringing food. There's a place they belonged until it was time to move on. Jesus says, look, foxes, they have their holes, their dens. It's all cozy down there. And birds, they have a place where they belong. But I, the son of God, I have nowhere to lay my head tonight. I'm putting my head on a rock under a tree tonight. And probably the next night, and by the way, last night, we had nowhere to sleep either. Gosh, Jesus is being kind of harsh. I think Jesus is being so loving. So loving. Like, hey, I would love for you to come, but I don't want you to be bummed out. I want you to know, Mr. Scribe, all the rules that you understand, here's the reality. Sometimes it's not very comfortable. Um, to the world, it's foolishness. But when we enter into heaven, it's the crown of life for those who endure. But Jesus cautions that kind of roadside pledge. He cautions us against that immediate, excited, kind of like, oh, I'm going to do it, but then it dies away. He wants you to know what you're doing. Do you know what you're doing for the Lord? If you can, whether it's take a flyer or just bring your Bible to school and know, look, how you guys are willing to bring your Bible to school tomorrow? Just, just to do it. Even if you keep it in your backpack, just do it, all right? Put it in your backpack and do it. Now, how many of you are aware, keep your hands up real quick. How many of you are aware that someone might make fun of you tomorrow? It might be uncomfortable tomorrow, that a teacher might actually get mad at you tomorrow. Okay. How many of you don't care? Okay. 
if we're blindsided, we're like, this is going to be awesome. Everyone's going to think, hey, look, guys, lose what? Oh, my gosh. Teacher's like, you're grounded forever. I'm not your mom. You're in detention. Go to the principal's office. Like, whatever. You're like, what just happened? We call our mom, mom, I'm freaking out. I'm scared. I'm going to die. But if we can say, I'm bringing my Bible tomorrow, and I'm bringing some flyers tomorrow, and guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to be a Christian tomorrow, and they might make fun of me. They might not. In fact, they probably won't, but they might, and a teacher might even get mad at me, and I might even get to go miss class because I'm in the principal's office. All right. And so when it happens tomorrow, when someone's like, you weirdo, I'll be like, God bless you. <laughs> Knew you were going to say that. He's just like, oh, you brought your Bible? It's like, I knew you were going to say that. That's crazy. Yeah, do you, want, do you want to read it? I'm sorry. In the principles, what are you doing? Oh, I, I got this thing. says I can bring my Bible to school. Uh, uh, uh. I knew you were going to say that. Guys, it's awesome. I hate being surprised. I hate being surprised with bad things, right? Like, surprise, you stepped on an acorn or you rode your skateboard into a crack and didn't see it coming, and so, like, that's bad. But when you see it coming, you can brace for it. Jesus says, hey, just letting you know, just, just brace for impact here, all right? It's not going to be comfortable. And so when they revile you and they persecute you, for my name's sake, I will bless you. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. It's awesome. This next guy is kind of interesting because the first one, he voluntarily said, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. This next guy, Jesus actually singles him out and says, you, come with me. Kind of cool. Could you imagine Jesus and the disciples are there and they're walking along and uh, you would think, right, they'd be like, and the disciples are like, that's right, I'm Jesus. <laughs> so, like, that's not how it was. These are fishermen, man. These guys are stinky. They're probably pushing each other like brothers, like, uh, 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 like pushing around or making fun of each other. And I'm sure there were a few guys that were a little bit more professional. And Jesus would just be like shaking his head. Oh, these guys have so much to learn. You, follow me. You're like, what? Kind of cool. Interesting. So the first guy is told, like, it's not going to be comfortable. The second guy is told it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be convenient to follow Jesus. Not going to be comfortable, not going to be convenient. How many of you guys like convenience stores? Circle K, 7-Eleven, like Slurpees whenever you want them, uh, cream soda, the peanuts, M&Ms, like whatever, okay? It's awesome. I love convenience stores because they're convenient. Whenever you want something, you go get it. We, we Sometimes we ride bikes at my house, and it's like... Let's go get Slurpees. Go get Slurpees. Doesn't matter what time of the day or night it is. Awesome stuff, right? Or, or whatever you want. If you want a soda, if you want peanuts, if you want a five-day-old hot dog that's been rolling around on some greasy spigot, like it's there for you. And if you don't want it, it'll probably be there tomorrow, okay? Like, it's okay. What? You can take it now, or you can come back in a couple of days and get it when you want it. It's convenient. If you want it, take it. If you don't want it, uh, you can just come back later. Jesus says, no way. You don't kind of like, oh, I think I want to do some cool stuff for Jesus now. But when you're not feeling it, you just kind of do it later. Jesus says, don't, you're out of your mind. It's not comfortable, nor is it convenient. Look at verse 59 and 60. Luke chapter 9. It says, then Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, this guy that was saying, hey, Lord, follow me. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Right? Oh, no, how sad his dad died. 
It's true. His dad was dead. Verse 60. You, you think Jesus would be like, oh, man, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Have the funeral. Bury your dad. And then come and follow me. What does Jesus say? Verse 60. He said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, boy. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And we're like, wow, Jesus was kind of mean. That's not what this means. That's not how, at least in our minds, right? If our parents were to die within five to ten days, the funeral would happen and then it, they'd be buried and, and it would be over. And so if the Lord came to you on day two and you just found out your dad died, and you're like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go on a mission trip right now. I just died. He's like, suck it up. Your parents will, your, your mom can have the funeral. You go to Haiti. You're like, all right. That's not what's going on. Okay, we'll get to it in a minute, but it's not convenient. He was invited to follow, and we actually find out in Matthew chapter 8, uh, same thing like we find out that other guy was a scribe. This guy was not a scribe, but he was a disciple, meaning he'd been learning from Jesus a lot. He'd been following him around from town to town. He was very interested in the things that he had to say. He wasn't one of the 12, okay? He wasn't uh, this cool, mighty, awesome warrior for Jesus, but he was being uh, a learner of the Lord, or he was learning the word. He was learning from Jesus. So he's familiar with him. He's called out, but Jesus completely confronts tradition, unfinished plans that we might have. Uh, family opinion is huge, even still in our lives. Family opinion matters. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Let the dead bury their own dead. What does that mean? Well, this is what it means. Back then, totally different process, okay? They didn't have a funeral in five or six days, and then it was over. It was up to a year-long process. And so if someone died, they would take them, put them in the family tomb or a little cavern thing, kind of like when Jesus was put in the tomb and they sealed it. They would take their, let's say it was his dad, they would take their dad, they would put him in the family tomb, they would close it up, uh, and there would be seven days of mourning, okay? Whether they were getting together and they were just going through the weeping thing and the grieving thing. And by the way, you guys know it's okay to be sad, right? Some people feel like, now that I'm a Christian, I can't be sad. It's okay to be sad. The book of Ecclesiastes says, look, there's a season for mourning. There's a season for weeping. There's a season for brokenness. But praise the Lord, there's a season for rejoicing again and for weeping and for dancing and all this awesome stuff for celebrating. But this guy, he's in the process of mourning, but they would have... Uh, the dead body put in the tomb, and for seven days it would be this mourning process, and then for up to 30 days after that, uh, it would be like a less important, less official. They'd probably go back to work and do stuff, but they'd be uh, still resembling some kind of mark or life of mourning the deceased. But up to a year later, they're still in the mourning process. It can take an entire year to go through this whole um, funeral procession, all right? And then up to a year later, once all the flesh had kind of decomposed and fallen off the bones and turned into dust and just whatever, gone, you're like, ew, gross. This was normal for them. They'd open back up the tomb, and when it was just the bones, they would get the bones together, and they would put them in something called a bone box, or the families, this is just where they went, and they would have a ceremony, and they would lay them in this bone box, and they'd put the lid on it, and then officially, now it was over. So when Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, he's not saying, dude, forget your father. It didn't even matter anyways. Remember that time he said he didn't love you? Like, he was a jerk. So just follow me. Forget that guy. Uh, someone else can bury him. He was already dead in the tomb. It probably been days, weeks, or even months since then. And the guy's like, hey, let me just wait around till a little bit more convenient time. Um, in about four months, we're going to pull out the bones and put them in the box, and then I can follow you. 
Because if I leave right now, my family's going to think, man, I'm, I'm crazy. Uh, and it goes against tradition. Man, no one's going to understand why I would be following you or turning my back on them. I'm not turning my back, but they won't, they won't understand. He's stuck between doing something good and doing something good. You guys ever had to do that? He's stuck between doing something good and doing something good. It's a hard place to be. That's probably one of the hardest places to be. If someone's like, hey, do you want to go uh, witness at the beach and tell people about Jesus or become a heroin addict? Like, I think I'll pick the gospel thing. Like, I'm not putting needles in my arm. Like, that's nasty and sick and weird and twisted and demonic. Like, no. Or someone's like, hey, do you want to go parachuting without a parachute? Uh, or do you want to come over and go swimming? You're like, I think I'm going to go swimming. Like, that's easy. One is stupid. The other one's not. Right? Or, hey, let's go, let's go beat up that kid after school. Or, hey, let's hang out and watch a movie. One is good, one is bad. I hope you know that. Parachuting without parachutes, drugs and beating people up, bad. Hanging out with friends or watching movies or swimming or whatever, good. Well, this guy's not stuck between good and bad. He's stuck between good and good. Is it a good thing to hang out, stay there, take care of what he needs to do, uh, put his father's bones in the bone box and be around? That's fine. That's not a bad thing. But following Jesus is a good thing too. And so he's stuck here which one of the better do I choose? We go through it often. But following the Lord is not always convenient. It's not always when we want to go. He's like, Jesus, can I do it at a later time? When it's a little bit more convenient, my family, they'll be more okay with it. I'll be more okay with it. My neighbors will be more okay with it. Have you guys ever been asked to do something right in the middle of doing something that you think is important? Like being asked to take the trash out when you're doing something really important, like video games. Right. But wait, wait! You know, for years they've had these two little marks called pause in the corner, right? Um, or you're busy talking to a friend, or you're on the phone, and it's like, clean your room. I'll, I'll be right there. <sighs> or whatever girls do. My nails aren't dry yet. Whatever. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'll never understand the world of ladies, but. Jesus, what if Jesus said, hey, uh, there's no outlets where we're going, you can't bring your Xbox, right? Or there's no cell reception, so just leave your phone here. Like, <gasps> like <laughs> what? Or whatever your thing is, right? They don't let violins come, and you can't bring your violin. You're like, what do you mean? Or no dancing, or whatever, I don't know. When it's more convenient, Jesus convenient to be a Christian at church, right? It's so easy. It's actually kind of hard not to at least pretend to be a Christian at church. Even non-believers pretend to be believers for an hour and a half when they're at church. They might even bring a Bible just so they fit in. It's very convenient. It's Sunday morning, you're with your family, you're at church, and so you'll be like a church person. But it may not be as convenient on Tuesday or Thursday or Saturday or any other day. Jesus challenged him, don't wait. Don't wait for a more convenient time. Guys, today, don't wait. What are you waiting for? Jesus says, don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah, when I'm in high school, I'll get real about the Lord. Don't wait. When I get married, then I'll take the Lord seriously. Don't wait. When I get old and get a job, then I'll, I'm going to take it serious for the Lord. Jesus would say today, don't wait. 
I know it's not comfortable, and I know it's not convenient, but don't wait. You guys ever miss out on a good meal? You guys ever hear that whole saying, hurry up, the dinner's getting cold. It's cooling off. It's not going to be as good as it was. It's going to be room temperature. The meat's going to get hard, and the broccolis are going to be nasty or whatever. You guys ever had melted ice cream? It's, I, like, I love taking ice cream, putting a splash of milk, and mixing up like a milkshake. That, that's how I like my ice cream. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, you think it's good. I remember I did this like twice. I don't know why. <laughs> Should have done it once. Should have learned. Took me two times to try it. But you leave a bowl of ice cream out, and then you come back, and it looks like foam. It's weird. It melts, but it turns into like foamy stuff. You go to like, and it's just such a strange texture. It's, I don't know. If you've never done it, it's weird. Ice cream, no bueno when it's melted, like melted, melted. Right? Dinner's getting cold, or your ice cream's melting and getting hot. Jesus says, Look, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't want you to cool off, or I don't want you to thaw out. Don't become so so whatever when it's convenient. The time is now. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. It's awesome, though, he tells them. Look, let the dead bury the dead. You go and preach the kingdom. He gives them very specific directions. Go preach the kingdom. He doesn't just tell them to stop doing something. He says replace it. Focus instead. Don't look back, but proclaim the kingdom of God. How do we in our life proclaim the kingdom? There's two ways predominantly we do that. What are two ways that we proclaim the kingdom of God, the things of Jesus and eternity and reality in heaven? How do we do that with our lives? What do you think? Wheat, 140, okay, we've got one person. You, you use your mouth, right? You talk out loud with your tongue hitting your teeth. Jesus, like, it, it works, okay? We proclaim it. Um, what's the second way? You be a blessing to people. Just be a blessing to people. There's two ways to do it. Both of them are commanded. You're not like, well, I'm not an audible person. The Lord says, yeah, you are. Okay, well, then I'm not going to be nice to people. Yeah, you are. They go together very, very well. Titus chapter 3, verse 8. It says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly or something that should be a, a very real truth in your life over and over and over again. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Do the right thing. Be a blessing and be careful about it. These things are good and profitable to men. How do we show people our love for the Lord? By loving them. Your second piece of homework, read Matthew chapter 25. So you're reading Matthew 13 this week and Matthew chapter 25. It is so simple to be a blessing for the Lord. It means if someone's thirsty, give them water. If they're cold, get them a jacket. Uh, if they're in prison, visit them. If they're fill in the blank. It's awesome. Matthew chapter 25. He says, hey, also go and preach. I love it. Acts chapter 4 verse 20. The longer you're with the Lord, the more this becomes your life. Says we cannot. Not, I don't have another choice. I cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We live and we proclaim the love of the Lord. Jesus has to be priority. He says, no, 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 no. Your father's already buried. The rest of it's tradition, family opinion, 
It's just what everyone kind of does. It's not convenient, but follow me right now. And this last guy he looks at, uh, look at verse 61. We have another volunteer. So we have a volunteer that's like, I'll go anywhere. And he's like, well, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be cool. It's not going to be popular. It's going to be kind of difficult, actually, and uncomfortable. Another guy's told to come. He's like, oh, can I, can I come later? I will come. I'll just come in a little bit. He says, nope, not a convenient time right now. And it may not always be cool. It may not always be cool to be a Christian. 61, 62. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. I'll go. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. That sounds nice, right? I just want to go home and say goodbye to everybody. Jesus said, nope. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You guys ever ask, like, how do I look before you leave to go somewhere? Like, do I look okay? I have to do that pretty much every day I leave because I don't know how to match clothes. So I'm like, honey, hmm? Like today, she was asleep. I put on dirty shoes. Don't tell her. Um, I don't care about clothes. I care about other things a lot. But I'll walk out of, I don't know what all the, I don't know the rules. I should just look. Are there rules for how to get dressed? There's colors that go together or shapes or patterns or whatever they're called. Um, I don't know. But, right, we do that. Right? We ask, is this okay? Does this look right? Is this, look, is this nice? And Yeah, you look good. Okay, thanks. And it's like, no, go change. Like, okay, why are you doing that? You're seeking their approval. Like, do I look in such a way that people will be like, hey, you look nice today. You want people to notice. You want people to agree with. You want to fit in. Uh, you're looking for someone to give you the pat on the back or the thumbs up. You want to have the same video games as everybody else. A new one comes out, you got to get it. Not because it's new, because the other guy got it too. Or you got to have the same apps. What is that? I want the same apps as my friends have. Uh, it goes on and on and on. We do stuff all the time. How many of you guys have done stuff just because other people are doing it? We do it all the time. All the time. You ever change what you're getting at a restaurant just because someone else got it? It happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He says, hey, I want to go bid them farewell. I want us to go say bye to everybody. That doesn't mean you just want to go give his mommy a hug, okay? I'm leaving, mom. See you later. Uh, what he's saying is, I want to go back, and I want to run this plan by everybody. I want to sit down and talk to mom and dad and brother and sister and have my friends come over, and I want to Google it and see if it's a popular opinion, and I want to ask them, am I dressed for the trip, or what else do I need, right? What he's saying is, I want to go back and run this plan by everybody and see if they agree that it's a good idea. Jesus says, nope. You can go give your mom a kiss. That's fine, all right? But don't go back and seek their approval to follow me. He says, you decide. You decide. No one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God, he tells them. It's hard to leave what's familiar, though. Most of you sit in the same seat every Sunday. We do it. You go home the same way from school. You go to the same restaurants. We have the same friends that we did five years ago. That hasn't changed much, right? Like, 
is a constant reoccurring thing in our life. And the Lord says, no more. Set it aside. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be convenient. And it may not be cool. But when you set your hands to the plow, he's saying, when you're going to follow me, you don't look back. You don't look for what is the popular opinion. Sometimes it's for approval. Sometimes it's for sin. We want to go back and do that one more time. We want to hang out one more time. You can't move forward while looking back. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Like, yeah. Could you imagine if you see a grown adult, your dad comes in sucking on a, what are they called? Not a binky. What are they? Yeah, pacifier. Or for dinner, he's just laying on the couch, sucking out of a bottle. Like, <laughs> what in the world? Dad. Or your mom's like, hey, honey, can you take out the trash? And your dad's like, I don't want to take out the trash. What the heck? Like, you expect a three-year-old. If your three-year-old does that, everyone's like, oh, whatever, three-year-old. There's a baby drinking out of a bottle. No one even notices. But as soon as grown people do childish things, it's incredibly strange. It's very strange, though, to see a Christian living like the world, turning back to the things they maybe once did before, to bid them farewell. Don't go and check with them. Don't go back and try and relive something one last time. And he says, you put your hands to the plow. There's all kinds of different sayings nowadays, right? You grab the bull by the horns or... Uh, this, there's so many dumb ones. Golf, I looked them up. Golf, grip it and rip it. Like, oh, like, whatever. What does it mean? It means if you're going to do something, do it all the way. Don't start just to give up halfway. When you do it, do it full force with all your heart. You know what's awesome when we read a minute ago, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why would you go to the world and be like, hey, the thing that you guys don't believe in, I want to believe in it. Is that okay with you? Is that cool? Of course not. It's like trying to go practice basketball at a cemetery and get them to clap for you. Uh, no. Or go dancing at a funeral and hope that the guy sits up and is like, that was beautiful. Like, what in the world is wrong with you? And Christians walk around in the world trying to think, man, if those guys think I'm cool or if I can fit in with them, like, dude, just go hang out at a graveyard. It's the same thing. It says that they are dead in their trespasses and sins that the world is lost. They're on the broad road leading to destruction. And if we're looking for their approval, oftentimes we will miss the approval that God wants to give. 2 Corinthians 5.9, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. It's a bunch of different guys. Try to think throughout the Bible, if you have any, but did David need someone's permission to go fight Goliath? No. You guys know about Job? If you guys are going through hard times, I know some of you are. Read the book of Job. Who had Job's back when everything was falling apart? Nobody. Nobody besides the Lord. Or I wonder, a modern day Mary, right? If you were to rewind, Mary's pregnant, doesn't, can't explain it in a way that people would understand it. How many people would now be told like, oh yeah, you should just get rid of that baby? That'd be the modern day popular answer. She had no one there. Elijah stood alone on Mount Carmel. Read, oh my goodness. 
look, 2 Corinthians, we'll end here, last verse. 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light affliction. It's not comfortable, it's not convenient, and it's not cool. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which we can see, the things which are seen, they're temporary. They're only for this moment. But the things which are not seen are eternal. It may be uncomfortable at times to follow Christ. It may not be convenient, and it may not be cool. But God is working a far greater eternal weight of glory. That in us, when we stand in the presence of God, he would say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's amazing. But know what you're getting yourself into. And when you do, the Lord says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. But it's a decision just to be made. It's yours. It's not to be cool, convenient, or comfortable. But it is your decision to make to follow Jesus. Right? I'm going to pray, close in a song of worship, and uh, see what the Lord has for the day. Father, we rejoice in your goodness and Lord, just thanking through life how many opportunities we've let go because it didn't really fit into our plan. It wasn't convenient. Or it'd be weird to, to, to confront darkness or to be a light. Lord, it wasn't cool. Lord, certainly we like what is comfortable. We like what is familiar. But Lord, you've got greater things. Lord, not temporary things, but eternal things that you want to work into our lives and into our soul. And Lord, I pray that for every guy and girl here today, Lord, those that in their heart are saying, all right, look, uncomfortable, I can deal with it. I'm willing to be inconvenienced and for those of us that know we're already not cool enough for the world. Lord, you'd overwhelm them with your goodness. You would empower them by your spirit, God. You would bless them in ways that words could never really accurately describe. Lord, that we would decide today to follow Jesus and not look back. It's in your name we pray.